Hi, my name is Margaret, and you have ventured your way into the Beautiful Collision podcast. I believe when the bad, messy, hard parts of your life collide with the good, amazing, great parts of your life, they make you into the beautiful person that you are. On this podcast, you are going to hear from people from all walks of life, and my hope is that you resonate with some and embrace your own story. This episode is a little bit different from the others. This episode I title Black Voices. These are stories of friends and family. These are black people and a glimpse into some of their stories. I want you to hear and listen. It's important. These stories are important. If you're listening to this and you are not black, just hear for a second. Leave your thoughts at the door for just one second and hear. Leave all your assumptions, all your defenses, your justifications and come for and come for one second with open ears and just here. I will begin. My name is Margaret. I am a black female. I am 28 years old. So I'm going to start off. Um, I have two stories for you to just paint a picture. One is a quick story. Um, when I was in high school, um, there was a guy that um, liked me and I liked him. Um, And he was actually a white male. And um, we were actually um, at the uh, same church. Um, I spent a lot of time at church growing up. And um, basically, kind of long story short, um, we were like older age in high school. So, I mean, he told his parents who he liked and who he wanted to date or whatever. Um, and when he told his parents that he wanted, he, that he liked me and wanted to date me, um, his parents, um, said, no, you can't date her. And when he asked why, um, they said, because she's black. And so this story, I want to paint a picture because I knew his parents, they knew me, um, and we had uh, a lot of, um, what's it called, Uh, same friend, like in the same friend group, like we had a lot of um, the same friends, and and his parents knew who I was, Um, but when it came to, and people would say, you know, I was nice, kind, like I wasn't, you know. And, um, literally they decided that because I was black, that, um, literally that was the only reason that, um, that he couldn't date me. Um, and so he actually came back and told me that he, and at the time he was actually shocked. He said he had never heard his parents say something like that. He couldn't believe it. And he was angry. Um, but it was interesting because I grew up up hearing and knowing like, man, um, I mean, I, I've always, there's just something inherent about when you're black and you're growing up that you just, there, you just feel different sometimes around certain groups of people. Um, and you just know, you just notice your blackness all the time. Like you notice that you're black in spaces all the time. And so, but for someone to explicitly say like, that's the reason. And, 
completely discount everything they knew about me. Um, that was hard. Um, and it played a lot into uh, my identity of starting, you know, believing black is not beautiful and black is not worthy of love and, and all these other things. And it was a, a lot of things that started that identity crisis for me. Um, but then another, so that was one. It's just the assumption when you heard something like that was like, black is not beautiful because that was the reason. So like to a girl who's in high school, that's what that equates. The second one, um, I was working, I think it was like the summer of 2015 or 16. It was two years after I um, left college and I was uh, working somewhere and basically it was on a campground and um, that we needed to go from point A to point B. And so I guess they were shuttling, shuttling people. And so I was in the car with one of the campgrounds people there with me and my friend and the campgrounds guy, he's a white male. And um, we got in the car and as we were driving, he was like, oh, what school do you, I, I only, I had never really had a conversation with him, never really met him, but he was helping shuttle people. And he said, what school did you go to? And I said, University of North Carolina. And he said, um, oh, what sport did you play? Did you play basketball? And I said, no. And then he said, well, what sport did you play? And I was like, I didn't play a sport. And he kind of paused and he said, oh, and I said, why? He was, he said, oh, well, you know, um, you University of North Carolina is really hard to get into out of state. And I was like, yeah, I know. Um, and I was, and then I said, well, I just applied and I got in and he was like, I just really was not expecting that. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And, um, it was, you, you hear that and you're like, well, maybe he just thought it was, it was because, you know, it's hard to get into. So blah, blah, blah. But let me paint this picture. I don't know him. He knows nothing about my background. So, you know, it's not like he, um, yeah, he, I just met him a few hours ago. So the only thing he knows about me is that, Hey, what my name is and what he's, and he's only seen me. He knows nothing else. Um, at all and then another thing he said um he kind of reiterated was like i just didn't expect someone like you um to be you know just to be at unc um and i didn't say anything and um and i think that was really hard um because it was implying a lot of things it was implying one that someone that looked like me could not get into so my intellect basically as a black female, but then also implying that to go to a good school, you have to be an athlete. <laughs> um, as a black person, you have to be an athlete. And then also implying that athletes are not intelligent, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, and so when you grow up hearing a lot of stories like that or having a lot of inc inc incidences like that where you're just profiled, um, it hurts. It really hurts. Um, and so... Um, I had to learn very quickly um, to say these words to myself. Um, I am black. I am made in the image of God. And I matter. My name is Shaniqua. I am a black female. 
I am 28 years old. When I was a sophomore in high school, we were reading the novel A Lesson Before Dying by Ernest Gaines. This novel tells the story of a black male who was falsely accused of robbing and murdering a white male in the 40s and is now on death row. I remember having a conversation about this book in class and I was typically a very shy student and I didn't speak out much in class. But upon this particular conversation, I really felt urged to speak out in class. And I began to speak. And the first part of my statement was, well, in the black culture, we, and I don't really remember the rest of what I said, but I do remember this instant commotion from my classmates asking, what is black culture? And I remember being stunned that they would even need to question what black culture is. Um, and I don't remember my response in that moment, um, but I remember my teacher saying, that's not a thing. There's no such thing as black culture. And my classmates agreed, yeah, black culture is not a thing. And I just remember being perplexed and questioning if my reality as a black female the words that we use in my house, the church that I go to, the neighborhoods I grew up in. I remember being perplexed and questioning, like, is this what everyone else has experienced? Because I don't think it is. I think it's pretty different from other people, from my white peers' experiences. Um, and there is one other Black girl in my class, and so they asked her, do you think that there is such thing as Black culture? And what they didn't know is that she had a very, um, she had uh, immigrant parents um, from Jamaica and Guyana, and she had a very um, rich cultural experience with her West Indian culture. And so at that point in time in our lives, she was like, no, <laughs> there is not. But she had a different cultural experience than I did um, as a black American woman or a black American teenager at that time. And so I remember feeling completely shut down and just shocked that um, my peers who celebrate and listen to hip hop music and um, like to use slang language that was often created within the black culture would tell me to my face that there is no such thing as black culture. I am black, made in the image of God, and I matter. I am Julia, a black female. I am 60 years old. After I received my master's in business, I went to work for a company as a financial analyst. The requirement for promotion to the different levels of financial analysts were very clear, such that after two and a half years, once you met the requirements, you would be promoted to the next level. I started the same day with a white gentleman and he had, didn't have a master's degree. We both performed very well, and actually my evaluations were always better than his. 
and when it came time for promotion, they promoted him, but in my case, moved me to another department and told me <clears throat> that I would be promoted once I met the new requirements in this new department. With my white colleague, they promoted him and then a few months later, moved him into the new department. This happened to me two times, meaning I moved to three different departments before I was finally promoted. I am black, made in the image of God, and I matter. I am Jermaine Phillips. I am a black male and I am 35 years old. Um, this story happened about two weeks ago, so summer of 2020. I work as a teacher at a school in Fort Bend ISD and we were cleaning out our classrooms. After I got done cleaning out my classroom, I decided to go and redeem a gift card they gave us um, at a local restaurant in Sugarland. Because of COVID-19, we can't eat inside, so I had to eat in my car. So I drove to a place that had a little bit of shade in this parking lot near some uh, places I like to eat at sometimes. Still in Sugarland. And rolled down my windows and started eating this barbecue potato, which was amazing. Um, as I was eating it, uh, a lady walked out of a bar that was in that area. Um, this is daytime, so this is maybe 2, 3 p.m. Um, said hi, kind of said hi back, and started walking to her car. I had on a University of Houston hat, had on my Dulles shirt, and was just sitting in my car driving a black Sentra. And didn't think nothing of it. And then she circled her car around, pulled up beside me, and she asked me, do you have any heart? And I was like, what? She asked, do you have any heart? And I picked up what she was saying. I said, no. She said, do you have soft? And I was like, no. And then her response right away was, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to stereotype you or generalize that that was you. And I wasn't trying to offend you at all. I'm really sorry. I was not trying to stereotype you. And then she drove off. Um, and for those who don't know, what she was asking if I was selling any kind of drugs. I don't know exactly which ones because I've never sold or even done those drugs. Um, but I know a little bit about stuff like that from other situations. Um, this is not the first time I've been asked a question like that. Um, and like I said, the part one emphasizes that I was dressed in just a normal outfit, just a fitted hat, University of Houston hat, and a shirt that represented my Fort Bend school daytime. Um, I am black made in God's image. My name is Kayla Jackson. I'm a black woman. I'm 27 years old. I have two beautiful biracial sons. I carried each of them to term. And my second delivery was hard and I delivered him via emergency C-section. Um, and I lost a lot of blood. I was in a lot of pain um, during my recovery. I had headaches and dizziness. I couldn't sit up. Um, I needed to be carried to my bed after my vision went black during a dizzy spell from walking back to my bed from the bathroom. Um, I expressed uh, all of that to my nurse and uh, she brushed it off as uh, common symptoms um, after a C-section. So another nurse came in to check on me and um, 
she ended up calling in a troop of people when I wasn't responding to her like I should have. I needed a blood transfusion. I needed better pain meds. I needed another procedure for the pain that I was in. I needed someone to believe me. Um, black women are more likely to die in childbirth. Black women are less likely to be believed. Uh, our black girls are seen as more mature. Black girls are sexualized from a younger age than white girls. Black women are not protected and believed. And that's why I thought that I would become a statistic. That's why I just knew that my babies would be left with no mama to snuggle them, no mom to kiss them when they sleep in my arms, no mom to dance with them at their weddings. Not because my life means less or is disposable, not even because that nurse was a bad person, but just because of the careless prejudice and implicit bias that she carried. We die because people refuse to acknowledge that. The same bias followed me home as I cried over the murders of countless black men and women. I look at those babies that I made that I would die for and I pray that the same implicit bias that I went through in carrying them into this world never winds them under the knee of a raging police officer. I have felt the shame and wondering if the melanin that I gave my children will make them a target. I have felt the guilt of hoping they look more like their dad so that they don't have to feel the grief of racism. But I know better and I want my babies to love being black, to love being the strong and handsome, compassionate and wise black men that they are growing into. Because I love being a soft, strong, compassionate, vulnerable black woman. I love being black, it's who I am. I am black and I'm made in the image of God and I matter. My name is Caleb Berry. Um, I'm a black male, 29 years old. Um, and I remember um, I was actually in Missouri at the time and uh, had just got off of uh, work um, and slash internship uh, at a gymnastics gym. Um, and I remember sitting outside waiting for my ride to come get me. And it was, it was nighttime. It was probably, it was like around eight something. Um, and I was on the phone with a friend and all of a sudden I just remember um, this red, crazy, red pickup truck. It had like four dudes in it, uh, four white guys. And as they were driving by, um, all they kept saying was, hey nigger, hey nigger, 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 nigger. And then they kind of slowed down and then kept speeding and then drove back off. Uh, and that freaked the mess out of me because I'm just like, I'm by here, out here by myself um, at nighttime, um, and, and this is happening. So, um, that's one of my stories. So yeah, I am a black man and, um, made in the image of God.
My name is Cameron. I am a black female. I am 29 years old. From childhood, it was always my dream to attend the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I remember hearing people use the adjectives accepting and liberal to describe the campus culture. During my junior year, I was the only black person in a geography class. It was the first day of classes and the professor asked the class for permission to take a photograph of each student to help him learn and remember our names. While I was waiting to have my picture taken, I started talking with three classmates seated beside me and behind me. Two were white females and the other was a white male. We introduced ourselves to one another and immediately the white male said, wow, I expected your name to be Latoya or something like that. I experienced a rush of emotions from sadness to shock to anger and rage. My body stiffened as I quickly turned away from him. We all stopped talking to each other. I sat in silence waiting for my picture to be taken and for the lecture to start. As I sat in silence, I thought to myself, why didn't I respond? Why didn't I speak up for myself? How dare he say something like that to me? It was in this moment that I realized that not everyone at UNC was accepting and liberal. Although I didn't have the words to say to him that day, I am black, made in the image of God, and I matter. My name is Dewan Bellany. I'm a black male, 36 years old. When I first finished my MBA program, I joined a large bank in their corporate finance group. And um, it was the first iteration of um, them gathering um, a bunch of people in this position to be able to do a kind of a rotational program to get them experience with some things with the goal to, to promote them out. And um, so our feedback was often requested and I was one of the more uh, vocal members in terms of just what we could do and you know how things could be better. Um, and I remember during one meeting, um, you know, giving some suggestions with some of my other colleagues. Um, and at the time I was the only African-American um, person inside the group in general, as well as um, among my peer group. Um, and I remember in, in the middle of the meeting, um, my um, then boss um, saying in, in front of everybody, um, you know, as I was kind of giving constructive criticism on, you know, what we could do, um, she's saying verbatim, um, well, you're, you're just lucky that you have this job at all. At all. Um, and, and it shocked me. And for a little while, I, I kind of was trying to go through, okay, well, okay, what possible things could that, you know, possibly mean? And, um, you know, what, you know, maybe I'm missing the context of, you know, what she's saying. Um, but then kind of subsequently, um, you know, she is, as well as some of the other more senior members and kind of espouse the same of kind of like, yeah, you know, well, you, you know, you, you, you must have interviewed well or done well. Um, but, you know, you're, you're really just lucky that you got in here at all. And, and I was the only person with a graduate degree at the time. Most of the other people were either, you know, entry level or just coming out of school or, or maybe knew somebody. And so I just remember just feeling, um, so as an outsider, it wasn't my first job or my first experience with something similar, but um, just coming outside of grad school, I, I just, uh, it, it shocked me just to think that, um, I guess, e even with the, you know, the accolades or just the things that you try to compile to kind of buffer yourself and, um, you know, not necessarily have to um, feel as, a, as an outlier, um, that, that it wasn't enough. And 
um, that was maybe the first of many <laughs> things that were uh, were interesting, similar, or just just painful uh, about just working in the, the corporate world. But um, that that always stood with me. Just just that that feeling, and even the announcement, and even just everybody else's lack of shock that you know that uh, why am I here? You know how, how did I um, how did I even get in the room? I guess is the question. That's it's always kind of stuck with me. So. I am Dwan, I'm black, and I'm I'm made in the image of God, and I matter. My name is Akila. I am a black female. I am 29 years old. And I remember being called nigger in high school. I was either a sophomore or junior, had befriended a white male. And we were in the middle of choir, goofing off. I have no idea what it was about. But all of a sudden he says, no, no, Akilah, we're not here for that nigger business. And I turned to him and I turned to my teacher and her face was so red and I was waiting for her to respond. I was waiting for her to chastise him. I was waiting for my classmates to say something and no one said anything. And in that moment, I knew that I had to stand up for myself and let him and everyone else in that room know that this is not okay. And to never Use that language to me or anyone else that looks like me. I am black, made in the image of God, and I matter. My name is Eric Hanna. I'm a black male, and I'm 26 years old. My story of racial profiling takes place in Boston, Massachusetts where I lived for four years. I live in an area of Boston known as Beacon Hill, which is an upscale area with a lot of young professionals. But it's not particularly diverse, much like the city of Boston as a whole. In Beacon Hill, there is a large Whole Foods where a lot of people go to do their grocery shopping. And I used to frequent this Whole Foods as well. On one particular day, I was there looking for a cheese platter for a party that I was going to be throwing later on that day. And while I was there, I decided to pick up a snack, an Oddwalla smoothie. So I was walking around the Whole Foods holding this smoothie, looking for a cheese platter, and I began to notice that everywhere that I positioned myself inside the Whole Foods, the security guards seemed to magically appear there as well. Wanting to give the security guard the benefit of the doubt, I continued to search for this cheese platter, this time while being more attentive to the movements of the security guard. To my dismay, the security guard continued to follow me around the Whole Foods and paid no attention to anyone else in the Whole Foods, even if they were also walking around holding an item in their hand I thought about whether or not I should confront the security guard and in the end opted not to because 
It was one of many instances like this that I had experienced in Boston, and on that day, I preferred just forgetting it rather than addressing it. The sad part was as I left the Whole Foods, I knew full well that this would not be the last time that I experienced something like this in Boston or anywhere else in the country. Still, I am a black male made in the image of God, and I matter. My name is Melinda Ruth. I'm a black female and I'm 32 years old. There's been a number of times where I've experienced like prejudices, um, probably even racism due to being black. But there's one situation that I remember when I was in about maybe fourth or fifth grade that I can kind of even still remember like the feelings I felt at the time. Um, and just like, I guess, uh, I guess my eyes were kind of open to the reality of just other people are just not going to accept me because I'm black. But it was during, um, our annual science fair and we had to pick, um, you know, the colors for the, the trifold and I picked the colors, uh, I picked a black main background with green and red. And at the time, I didn't really know that there was any meaning behind those colors. I just liked the way that they worked together. And so I remember when my board came and my science teacher saw it, he told me this wasn't gonna work. Um, and so I, I was just like, I don't know why, These are, this is what I want. And uh, he kept saying like, no, this is not, it's not gonna work. And I, and I told him, I said, but these are the colors that I wanted to use. And he goes, of course you do. And then he walked off. And I was with two of my other friends. And um, they immediately got it. But for me, I didn't really understand why he said, well, of course you do. Um, but I still felt as though I had done something wrong by picking these colors. And so my friend at the time turns to me and says, you know why he said that, right? And I was like, I guess he doesn't like, you know, these, this, these colors together. And she says, no is because those are the colors for Africa. And again, like it had never, like that was never something that I knew about. I wasn't like aware of it, hadn't really been taught of it, but I did realize and I understood where the issue was in that moment. And because my teacher who was white saw me picking these colors that represented Africa, he, he just immediately went to, no, this is not going to work. And I don't really know what the mindset was behind why he felt like it wasn't going to work. And I never asked because, I mean, I was a kid and I just, you know, did as my teacher directed me. But I remember the shame that I felt at the time and then thinking, well, well, maybe it's not okay if I put colors on my board that represent me being like, um, African-American and so maybe I need to pick colors that are more more neutral or more accepting my name is Stanley uh, African-American male black male 
by way of Uganda, grew up in the States, uh, 36 years old, um, story about racism, generally optimistic, uh, positive person, um, I'd say over the years I've dealt with, you know, micro aggressions and inequities and stuff, you know, I've generally been blessed, I generally try to have a positive outlook on people, and see the goodness in people, but I would say, um, in a neighborhood that my parents lived in in Houston, Texas, uh, in the Ritchie area, uh, definitely been profiled, uh, stopped by police officers, um, just questioning, uh, just for no reason. I mean, I knew what the reason was, but um, I think that's like the reality for many individuals of color, black or brown. Um, I've had situations where, you know, you know, going to a high-end establishment, be it a grocery store, no, sorry, not a grocery store, a uh, restaurant or even a mall, um, you know, maybe not getting as timely service uh, reception as one would hope. Um, but that's at least my experiences. Definitely love to share more. Um, stay blessed. I am black, made in the image of God, and I matter. Once again, these are real people, and these are real stories. These are people I know. These are not just our stories they're the stories of so many um so many black people and how we navigate this world this podcast started so people would have a platform to share their stories their passions their small businesses their hurts their pains the good and the bad and the goal was that you would hear people from all walks of life cry with them be encouraged by them empathize with them and champion them um and so the fact is personal stories are real and i believe that when you hear someone's real life maybe you're able to argue your way out or maybe you're able to argue um the way out of what the media tells you but you cannot argue someone's personal story when you start putting faces to personal names it does something it shouldn't take that long but it does do something that's just reality so to the black people listening to this to the memories these may bring up there's healing in our stories there's resilience in our stories and there's a god who has shown us sorry who sees us and knows us has known us since the beginning and who has heard our cries we're not forgotten and he will be with us until the end. And that gives me so much hope. We can't fight this alone. We have to rest in him. We have to be, we have to be filled up by him. And we have to get all wisdom on how to move and speak through him because he will be the best leader and give us the best plan of action. I'm so thankful that God doesn't just sit but acts. And we see that throughout scripture. And so, to my fellow Black brothers and sisters, let us be more in tune with the Spirit than ever before as we move into action. To my brothers and sisters in Christ who are not Black, and to those specifically who have discounted these stories in the past, I realize the majority of people who listen to my podcast have some tie to faith 
especially Christian faith. So I'm going to speak specifically to you. Stop for a second. Just hear our stories. Hear other black stories. Hear their lives. Look into their eyes and hear their voices. You will see the pain. You will see the hurt. And I pray it takes you to your knees. We need you to fight with us and fight for us. The enemy would like you to believe this is a this is a like societal agenda. The enemy wants you to believe that we are saying we hate all non-black people. The enemy would like you to believe that it, that if it doesn't affect you, then don't care. There's a lot of lies that the enemy is wanting you to believe um, in all of this. Here's the thing, and I'm again I'm talking strictly to Christians. Study love in the Bible if you and if you really understand what it means, we wouldn't throw it around so often because the love of the Bible is very hard. It costs you a lot, it's sacrificial, it's laying down your life, it's lowering yourself for the other, for the body, for people. So I ask you right now as a Christian, what would it look like to just ask? God, I come with no agenda and I ask if I have blinders, where are they? And I am ready with whatever you're going to say, even if it hurts and shows me things about myself maybe I don't even realize. What if we have Christian, what if we as Christians prayed this in every area of our life, every single one, being ready even if we were disgusted by what the Lord may reveal. However, the beauty is that it will lead us to repentance, or it should. And in repentance, there is forgiveness. And in true, repent- in true repentance, sorry, um, will lead us to change. Just remember, we are black, made also in the image of God. And we matter to God just as much as anyone else. Thank you.